and welcome to episode 18 of the Graph Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Fairholm. Today we are continuing our Behind the Ball series. This is our fourth installment as we look at different employees at Graph Golf and how they are contributing to the production of a smart golf ball and analytics platform. The first three episodes were with Rowan Fraser on June 25th, Mike Eberly on August 2nd, and Patrick Kelly on September 2nd. So go ahead and check those out. But today we are talking with Parker Feldman. He is the VP of Manufacturing at Graph and a critical piece to producing the ball. His background, we'll touch on in our interview with him in a couple of minutes, includes time spent in the U.S. Air Force, and he's also worked at Tesla and Hamilton. He has taken that work experience and applied it to a young, up-and-coming company like Graph. And in this episode, we will talk about why he decided to come to Graph, why should a smart golf ball exist in the first place. These are some of the foundational questions we ask in this podcast. And I don't think there is anyone better to answer this than Parker, because he is deep in the weeds sorting through minute details of the ball that are going to have broader applications to the everyday golfer. Before we get to the conversation with Parker, just a reminder that you can reach out to us with any questions or comments at theclub@graph.golf. And if you want more information about the ball, you can go to graph.golf. And you can also join our newsletter for updates about the ball as we get closer to launch. Just go to our website and you will see that option available to you. That's really the best way to stay in touch with what is happening on our end at the moment. All right, let's get into our conversation with Parker Feldman, VP of Manufacturing at Graph. And now we welcome on to the Graph Golf Podcast, Parker Feldman. Parker, thank you for hopping on. Before we get into your role and just the concept of a smart golf ball at large, I want to get into your background a little bit and what led you to Graph. What is your expertise in and what were some of the experiences you had coming into what I'm guessing is a pretty different environment from uh, where you were before? Yeah. So experience wise, um, in the past, I, I kind of grew up, I was always interested in manufacturing, even as a child, <laughs> I would always watch, uh, um, how it's made. That was kind of like my go-to show, um, even in like middle school and high school. And then, uh, going out of high school, it was one of those situations. I've, I have two older sisters and one was in the military and the other one was going to college. And the one at college was still wearing the same clothes from high school and driving the same car and working two jobs and just struggling. And then one in the military was traveling the world and just like doing all these really awesome things and coming home with new cars. And, you know, as a kid in high school, I'm like, I'm, I'm doing that. That seems really awesome. Um, so I, I joined the air force and the air force was phenomenal for kind of building the foundation of where I'm at today. It was a lot of attention to detail. Um, I was an electronics technician, so I did a lot of troubleshooting. Um, and then that lasted for about seven years and decided, you know what, it's time to get my degree. And I really wanted to do engineering. Um, and I kind of fell into Arizona state university. They had a a full hands-on program. And uh, it covered things from CNC machining to casting. Um, they did PLC coding, and all of it dealt with, you know, you actually had to do the project, um, which was really big for me. And it it kind of I wanted to have that to set me up career-wise. Um, and I had started my own business, um, but as it came to be towards the end of uh, my degree, I got contacted by Tesla. So I did an internship in Fremont working on their Model S line, 
and just helping them continuously ramp production there. Um, I finished my degree and got a full-time job at the Gigafactory, and that was just kind of a decision between me and my wife of, uh, hey, we can either live in California um, and live in a house with, you know, four or five other couples and still pay a, a fairly high rent, or we can move to Reno um, and help them start the Gigafactory. So when I came on board, I was the first equipment engineer. Um, they were still pouring concrete. Um, There's no machines. There was a lot of time being spent over in Japan and Germany and South Korea and, like, vetting the equipment that was going to be uh, brought on board and the plan was to ramp production as quickly as possible for the model three uh, building specifically the drive units and uh, that was a solid four years for me of taking uh, basically nothing and turning it into you know one week it was taking us two weeks to make one unit and then by the end of the first year uh, we were doing you know thousands of units per day um, and then that slowly ramped in um, I started helping other manufacturing lines and got promoted and um, just kept falling in love with it. And then, you know, my wife got pregnant and I'm I'm in a situation where <laughs> I'm working, you know, 12 to 14 hour days and getting phone calls at 3 a.m. And um, I was like, I'm not going to be a good father. So I, I kind of moved into a position at Hamilton Company. Um, they were phenomenal. It was a completely different situation. I was moving from, you know, 85 to 95% fully automated manufacturing lines to working with, um, you know, production workers who were assembling robotics by hand. Um, and in the beginning, it was super easy. Um, it was super awesome. I got to get super detail oriented into the process and take my time. Um, but as it stands, you know, I, I started that position in January of 2020 and three months later, um, COVID took off and Hamilton robotics, they make, vaccine testing uh, robotics and it does blood work and it'll do COVID testing. It does a lot of other things. So as you can imagine, like sales just took off um, and that turned into, okay, we need to ramp production by a thousand percent. And again, it was a completely different situation because it wasn't working with automated equipment. It was working with individuals, completely different um, mindset. And it was a completely different uh, educational situation for me. It was really awesome. Um, and then after about a, a year and a half of working there, uh, I had the conversation with Aaron for Graph Golf. It was the first time in a long time that I kind of was like, okay, I can I can work from home. Um, what you guys are doing, I had to do a lot of research into. Uh, you know, I had to figure out, okay, what is this exactly going to look like? And you know, is this a possibility? Can they get this to work? And the thing that made me most interested in Graph Golf was the fact that. The smart golf ball just intuitively made sense to me, like data wise and all the things you can do with a smart golf ball. I could see it kind of opening up a lot of doors for the golf industry. But after doing research, I realized like, well, there's no smart golf balls yet. There's a lot of companies who have tried it, but it's, it's not here. And, and that question of like, why really gripped me when it came to making the consideration to, to kind of come on to graph. Um, along with all the other benefits of like working with the entire team, all of you guys, including you, Sean, have been like super stoked and excited about, you know, just the game of golf and super excited about and working super hard to get this to, you know, become a reality. Um, that's what like really locked me into joining Graph Golf. Because um, two biggest things is like, what are you trying to do and how hard is it? That got me interested. And then the team itself.
in in your relationship with the game of golf, you, you hadn't really played that much prior to coming into uh, the, the company, right? This was something that it was really the challenge of it that, that stuck out more than a love of golf kind of uh, prior to it. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel bad to say this, but love of golf wasn't really there. Um, I had the amazing opportunity. The first time I had ever played around the golf was in Italy. Um, and I got myself a full set of golf clubs, played two times, and that was basically it. <laughs> <laughs> That's my golf background. Um, last time I played golf was with you guys in Baltimore um, at the company retreat. So um, not much of a golfer for me. So uh, I'm, I'm going to ask a really basic question, but I'm sure it's one that you get a lot. Just from the highest level, what is a smart golf ball? What, what is it? If you had to explain it at, the, at a very general level. A lot of the, a lot of the conversations I have, especially when I bring up, uh, you know, I meet somebody and I tell them what I do. Uh, that's kind of one of the biggest questions they have is like, well, what's the point? And everybody kind of really grips onto the find my ball function. So that's, that's a given. Um, anybody who's played golf is going to know, okay, if I have a way to find my ball and to stop spending so much money on like replacing balls that I've lost, um, especially me, because I, I usually have to play a round of golf with like at <laughs> least 10 balls. And at the end of the round, I might have two left. Um, that's, that's an easy one to grip. Uh, but the longer conversation kind of comes back to the other part of the golf ball, which is the full suite of data analytics that I would provide. And the easiest way that I can explain it and why this is so large for the golf industry and for individuals, especially new people coming into golf, is by kind of explaining um, something that everybody's familiar with is launch monitors. So when you consider a launch monitor, which is like the holy grail of golf technology, because um, if you look at everything else, which is just literally hardware, there's no electronics, you have the club and the ball. This launch monitor, it's capturing like nearly every piece of data related to the impact and like the launch of a golf ball for a given swing. Um, so you're looking at club head speed, uh, ball speed, spin rate. From this, you can you can utilize this data uh, to help somebody improve um, in, in various different ways. And in terms of the price point of launch monitors, there are some that offer really detailed and helpful information, but cost north of you know twenty thousand dollars. And even some of the cheaper ones may not be affordable enough or, or practical enough for someone to use on a consistent basis, even if they are very helpful tools. Oh, yeah. And if, if the cheaper you go, the, the accuracy is going to go down. Um, and that's most of the time, some of the time, I should say, that's actually written into the product itself. It'll tell you exactly how accurate it is or what it can, uh, what it can do, what it can do, um, the rate at which it's going to take all the different measurements. Um, you can get a fairly like you can get a fairly accurate system for a couple grand. Um, Skytrack is a really big one. Uh, it's about six and a half grand. There's a lot of add-ons. Um, I think Foresight had one. I think it was starting at 10,000 for everything you would need to get the full suite of data analytics. And like you said, TrackMan, you're looking at, you know, 20 to $25,000 easily. And there's a lot of benefits to using this kind of stuff. But yeah, that price tag is always just going to beat people back. Uh, one thing is you're, you're not, going to want to spend that money on your own, uh, especially because of everything that goes with it. There's ways that you have to interpret the, da the data. There's setup costs, there's space, there's a lot of things that go into it. But in the end, utilizing this, uh, these machines, it gives you that data, that hard data, which, you know, always beats opinion. 
um, and the opinion even comes with experience. So I'm not I'm not at all knocking experience. Um, getting help from an experienced trainer versus going to a track man is always going to help you improve because um, they're going to be able to look at physically what's going on and give you very quick details. But when it comes down to it, it's always based off their own experience and not uh, having data back it. So I like to pair the two together to to make it like really hit home for helping somebody improve very, very quickly. Um, and to kind of give you an example, one of the biggest benefits of using a track then is going to be kind of picking the equipment. So uh, I don't know if you went through this, Sean, but for me, uh, I was just really willy nilly with buying um, my first set of clubs. And I now have a second set of clubs and I was just as like carefree with purchasing it. And I have no idea if the clubs that I bought are helping me or actually hindering me in my specific like style of playing golf. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things that has played golf for a really long time, in my opinion, are what we call the three barriers to entry. You have cost. Golf has traditionally been a very expensive game. You have time. Golf obviously takes several hours in a variety of formats. Then you have difficulty. Golf being one of the most frustrating games ever played. I think we could all agree on that. And when I explain the concept of, of a smart golf ball to friends, I frame it like this, you know, a smart golf ball addresses all three of those barriers and very few things in golf actually do address all three of those barriers at the same time. You know, you have affordable data, you can hit it in your backyard for 15 minutes after dinner. So it's not taking very much time and the amount of data you have, it's going to make you a far more knowledgeable golfer is that you can get fit correctly for clubs. You can take this to an instructor and enable your teacher to give better advice just as an example, you know, I taught at a golf academy for a couple of years and we had pretty limited access to analytics. A lot of what I was teaching was showing someone their swing on video and then explaining to them what I thought they could do to improve. But once we started working on that improvement, all we had to go off of was just how it felt to them, which is a very subjective experience for golfers. If, if I wanted to show a student how to get their launch angle to go down, which is very common because the vast majority of golfers launch the ball way too high. I had to teach knowing that the student just had to trust me with the advice. And I had to trust that student would follow through with my advice. If I had something like a smart golf ball, I could tell them to practice every single day for just a few minutes and then have them check their launch angle as they were practicing. They could send their data during the week. They wouldn't even have to go to a, a driving range to do all of this. It really changes the power a coach has, and it changes the accountability a student has in becoming better. And those three barriers really are all addressed in a pretty profound way. Yeah, uh, and that's precise. Uh, because when you look at the track man or a launch monitor versus a golf ball, um, just like the cost alone is going to be one thing, but like getting this data and having the data um, that you're going to get from a launch monitor or a smart golf ball is still not just enough. Um, and this kind of goes into this example with with the equipment. If if you have a suite of data that comes from a track van um, or from a launch monitor, and you have a trainer that works with that and works with you and watches you swing, and you're in the track van and you get this data based off of still their own opinion experience, unless they have a very large suite of data available to them and they've really dug through the data and really dictated like how, what you are doing and what the data you're producing translates into what you should be doing. Or for example, what possible equipment you should be using instead. Um, because 
the launch monitor can look at everything, including the club itself, and it can dictate, okay, based off of your own dynamic swing, like how you yourself swing specifically, um, you should probably be using a softer shaft or a harder one. Um, it can also go into, okay, based off of switching to the softer shaft, you know, you're still swinging like an ape. <laughs> so like we need to fix all of these different aspects that it can pick up. And it, it'll also look at how the ball was reacting to the swing. And when you make the adjustments, what happens to the ball itself? Um, so when you're looking at like $7,000 to $25,000 for a launch monitor, to fix these little subtle things and to get you into the right club fit, it doesn't really quite make sense. You can kind of go into the, the smarter details, trying to find a trainer uh, with a launch monitor or go to a simulator and put this all together. And you can spend that time training, but unless you have something that you're consistently using, meaning you're constantly renting and you're constantly working with this trainer to make these improvements and practice and get it into a habit of your golf game, well, that's just it. Like you just have to keep doing it, or you can go and get your one lesson and make a small tweak, and you know, hey, that was fun. And then you go back out and you probably break your habit and go back into your bad routine. That's kind of where like the launch monitor sits for me. And one of the biggest questions I had for you, Sean, and, and I guess for the listeners as well, because this is a pretty big knowledge gap for me. I'm still kind of coming into playing golf and working in the golf industry. If there is something out there like this, I'd, I'd like the listeners to kind of chime in and reach out and, and kind of point it to us or Sean, if you know this immediately, but is there a standard way um, or like a certified way for a trainer to get certified to use a launch monitor and then they know how to utilize that data to make adjustments to your swing or to your equipment? Does that exist? Absolutely. I mean, what I always tell people is find a PGA professional because a PGA professional is one of the 28,000 uh, certified members across the country. Uh, they're, they're going to know the ins and outs of what a launch monitor does. Uh, somebody who uh, works at a, a place like uh, a golf tech or somebody who uh, works at a, at a golf academy who is PGA certified, you can go on to a website like pga.org and search for a PGA professional who is close to you. Um, or you could, uh, you know, we're talking about club fitting as well, a place like uh, Club Champion. Uh, a lot of these uh, national club fitters have people who know how to interpret this data uh, to, to, uh, to, you know, specify, uh, you know, a specific golfer's needs. So, um, I think there, there are definitely a lot of different options out there for, for people to, uh, to, to utilize. Um, and I think it is very important to, to mention as you are that, uh, the, the smart golf ball, it, it's a complement to a, a bunch of other different, you know, resources for, for a golfer, right? I mean, the, the value of having, uh, data, a, a large sample size of, uh, of, of hitting a, a golf ball over and over and over again, seeing your habits and then being able to take that to, uh, to somebody who's a club fitter or somebody who, who can adjust your swing, uh, that in and of itself is a, is a really important facet of this. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's huge. Absolutely humongous. Um, you mentioned that these, the, the professionals, these VGA professionals, they have access to this data and they know how to interpret it um if, if you're looking at what they're doing when they're in, interpret that data um that's where this like becomes a very very vital important thing especially when it comes to making a smart golf ball uh, you have so many different launch monitors out there each one have their own different accuracy levels um, each one have their own different user interface and how it presents the data 
And what that kind of translates to is depending on what launch monitor you use and the data that it prevents or that it presents, uh, you actually can get into the situation where uh, even somebody who's super experienced and looking at the data, uh, it's still almost kind of opinion based. Um, there's no standardized way between one or another or an accuracy requirement. Um, it can get super detail oriented in this one, but you have this suite of big data um, that individuals, if we could pool it all together, and to give you an example, uh, data from like one person swing is, is very useless. So if you had somebody, a trainer who's super highly experienced and they put you in a track man um, and you get this data on your swing and that's the only data he has or that she has, there's not much they can do. They can just be like, cool, here's your data. Um, but I noticed, you know, physically you were holding this and they can use their experience to help you out. Now, if they get data from 100 individuals, you can start painting patterns because you can say like somebody of this height with this specific dynamic swing pattern and golf ball reacts in this way matches this other individual. And we paired this one individual with a different set of clubs and it helped him improve. So this other individual over here, let's try to give them the same amount of clubs. And if you see the same improvement, you have a pattern. Now, if you can do even more data and get a million individuals worth of data, you know their height and their dynamic swing and how the ball reacts and what clubs they were using, you can get a very, very clear picture of what would happen if you were to make an adjustment here or change the equipment to this. You can tell them that there were 3,000 other individuals who had data that looked exactly like yours when playing with the clubs that you're using. And out of the 3,000, 2,500 had X amount of improvement by just switching the club or um, they weren't using a glove or they weren't locking their finger or like just little tiny details. This is where big data comes in and paints this phenomenal picture where if you were to standardize the way that you look at the data, you can very rapidly with a high amount of accuracy and confidence tell somebody based on the data, you should do this and it'll help you more than likely improve by this amount of level. Um, but the issue that I have when I look out for this data is finding the database, finding the standardized structure and looking at like the exact information coming from not just one individual or hundred, but a million. It's not really out there right now. And so what we need to do, and this is where the golf ball, the smart golf ball really comes in and starts making huge improvements. So with a smart golf ball and a standardized way of gathering, interpreting the data, um, you've got this capability uh, to give that data-driven advice with the, for that specific individual uh, to get into the game of golf and not waste as much time tweaking this and doing this and getting frustrated and spending a lot of money on a set of clubs that might not be well fit for them. And to kind of sum it all up, and this is the part that I'm most excited about, is for like a customer buying a smart golf ball or like a sleeve of smart golf balls from Graph, um, you'd set up a profile, you'd spend a few hours in your backyard swinging into your net, um, maybe go spin around, uh, do a round of golf over the weekend. And then the smart app takes a look at the data, compares it to the widespread of other players who have been playing with the smart golf ball and provides you with an assessment. And the assessment, the assessment might look like this. So it, it would say, here's your exact data. Here's the average spin rate. Here's all this information. Here's how the ball was reacting. 
Um, you're tracking your height, your information about your own personal uh, stature, the clubs you're using, and then it would look at everybody else and then just give you that really quick assessment. It would say, here's the exact club set that would help you improve by X amount. Um, you should first concentrate on this one thing because there might be an estimate of like five or six different things, which I know I've had this before, individuals trying to help me play golf um, from you know the company retreat to uh, my father-in-law who's amazing at playing golf. Um, you know, it's uh, look at your stance, you're swinging too hard, um, lock your fingers, uh, you're not keeping your arms straight. There's like all these different things that you could be doing wrong, uh, but the app would kind of narrow that down to, based on all the other players, we already know that, you know, we tried this, this, and this, and based off your data and how well it matches these individuals, we know with a high margin of, you know, confidence that if you concentrate on this one thing, it'll improve your game uh, by X amount versus concentrating on this other thing that might also be uh, incorrect in your swing dynamic, but it's not going to produce as great of a result or as great as uh, an improvement. And that all comes just from a smart golf ball. You don't have this large launch monitor. You don't have to have a trainer standing there watching you. There's not a setup. There's not all of this. You know, you don't have to have a, a professional standing there who knows how to interpret the data. It's all in your pocket. Um, and that's huge. It's not $6,500, it's $50 or less. Getting this, getting the smart golf ball to this level and being able to play in a situation like this is just going to open up so many doors in the golf industry and so many more than I think people are like prepared or, or even thinking about. Because um, going back to the beginning of the conversation, like, yeah, find my ball function. That's super easy. Uh, but when you add in all of this other, you know, all of these other aspects of what you can get out of a smart golf ball and what it can give to a player um, and positive training and saving time and money, it's just huge. So it's super exciting. Definitely. Oh, well, Parker, thank you for uh, coming on to the show. This was a lot of fun. Very insightful. What we'll have you on again another time to uh, to to get deeper into uh, some of the challenges and the the why aspect of of all of this. Uh, but this was uh, definitely very very insightful. So uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah, awesome. And uh, thanks for having me on, Sean. It was a pleasure. And thank you again to Parker for coming on the podcast. I know I said this in the intro as well, but go ahead and check out the previous Behind the Ball episodes to get a full picture of what we are trying to accomplish here at Graph. Uh, everybody has such great insight into their specific role and, and brings different experiences. So go ahead and check those out. You can also head to the club on our website, graph.golf, where you can find a growing library of articles on analytics within golf. I wrote about launch angle recently. There are posts on spin rate, ball speed, all sorts of stuff on there. This week, we have a post talking about how a smart golf ball can improve your game, which goes along very well with uh, this episode with Parker. So if you're interested in analytics and golf, check out those stories and then you'll find them very helpful. Well, that is all the time we have for episode 18 of the podcast. We will see you again soon. Cheers.